right. Welcome back, people, to Counter at Your Own Risk, episode 40. This is going to be part six, where we talk about A Nightmare on Elm Street, number six, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Go ahead, Kevin. I'm sorry. 1991, directed by Rachel Talalay and written by Michael DeLuca. Uh, I believe this has the lowest Rotten Tomatoes score of 23% of the Robert England Freddy Krueger movies. Um, so this one is the cartoon version of Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, it starts out uh, like a nightmare at 20,000 feet, very Wizard of Oz with a direct, you know, Freddy Krueger as the Wicked Witch. And so this movie came out 1991, so it was released on VHS in 92. So I saw this at 10 years old, and I had kind of seen a couple beforehand. But this one really um, didn't have like a bunch of like uh, I didn't ha- I don't think it has any actual like nudity in it, so it was like cooler that I could watch this one without you know it, like more freely, and so I've seen this one a lot of times. It was on I had Cinemax, so this was on TV all the time, and in some ways it's really cartoonish. In some ways it's pretty dark um it has you know a very twin peaks feel and then like i think that and then they say it in the in the show but so if you haven't seen this one this is the big freddy's dead freddy has a child and this child um is you know grown up now this is also 10 years into the future which is supposed to be 1999 which i don't know it's the math the math doesn't have 2002 supposed to be 2002 i yeah i did the math it should be 2002 at this point which doesn't add up to okay so it doesn't make any sense but yeah So, so anyway so everyone in the town of springwood there's no more children there is uh I don't even think I wrote the guy's name down, but anyways, the main, the main guy, um, John oh, Doe. Yeah. We never really uh, learned yeah, his real John, name. John Doe. Uh, and the only thing we know is the kid is K. <laughs> so he, he, be- yes. And he begins to think that he is uh Freddie's Freddie's child. And Freddie sends him out of Springwood to, I don't know, like terrorize more kids. I guess that's, the idea of where you're at in the beginning of it. And it kind of actually feels more of like an eerie Indiana episode uh, than, uh, than anything else. It's amped up Brecken Myers in it, who plays the, the pothead character who, you know, they have pipe bombs at school. Yafet Kato is in it. Um, the great Yafet Kato. Um, and this one is about, a bunch of misfit kids who go to who are at or living at a youth hostel, um, youth uh, shelter. Yes, shelter, a place for troubled youth. And it turns out that the social worker is the one that more fittingly is 
Freddy Krueger's child, which kind of switch it up from thinking that this is going to be, you know, another male lead, and and it switches it up halfway through, which was the twist in it. Um, the town of Springwood was pretty good. That's Billy Zane's oh, Lisa Zane. sister, by the way. That makes that makes sense. She was good in this. Mm-hmm. The, the, dude, this this movie is loaded with not only like you know Brecken and Yaffe, but like you know it has four other celebrities in this. Like this is the most star-studded one, and yet, well, yeah, yeah. Roseanne and Tom, yeah, Roseanne and Tom Arnold, which yeah, Roseanne Tom. You got Giant Depp doing your yeah. brain on drugs thing, and Alice Cooper because he finally got to play a role where he wasn't playing Alice Cooper. That's the only reason. And why he's he like Freddy's Freddy Krueger's father, which yeah, abusive, abusive dad. dad. Was he his father or stepfather? I, I think it was. His, I think yeah. it was his father. We didn't get a lot of time with him. I swear to, I swear to God, the kid who played young Freddy. In that scene, I see. I've seen him in something. Yeah, I think he has done something else that I've seen. I, I don't remember what, but he looks really. He looks super familiar. Like he has kind of one of those uh, faces. Yeah, he's got one of those like, like I could be an extra in Children's of the Corn. Any of them faces. But I think the him, and I think this this movie before. is a prime. Example is if you do any series too long or like with a TV show or anything, James Bond is a good example that they kind of start to spoof themselves at some point, like unintentionally. And this is kind of the example of that uh, with the bed of spikes, um, ro- you know, the Wiley Coyote Roadrunner thing. Uh, but when the kid falls from the the ground and and hits it and you see the holes. I don't know. It was it was yeah. cool. It's it it really like goes from like very cartoonish to like super dark with you know the the girl and her past you know where her dream is her dad you know is uh sex yeah sexually abusing her you know but it like hints it kind of like you know you know it but it doesn't fully come out and say it. I mean, you have the a town of people still talking to themselves, thinking that kids are there, and a teacher that's busting some rhymes about Freddy in 1492. It's just, one thing I, I... Okay, so you mentioned the cartoon thing. So when Breck and Meyer's running around, like, in the hallway, going back and forth, and they're doing all these wacky sound effects... Are we led to believe that only we can hear them? That only Freddy can hear them in the dream, or that everybody in the house can hear those sound effects? That's my biggest question that I have. I'm pretty sure they, they're doing the sound effects while you're seeing the the scene you from the so? other character's point of view. So, yeah, I guess they're probably... Yeah, yeah I can, maybe. Um, I mean, because that's the, the perspective that we have, but yeah. <laughs> boing, 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 boing! <laughs> I mean, there's no good answer to oh, that because yeah. none of that should exist, but I just, I felt I need to ask that question. This, yeah, this, like you said, Kevin, this this is just one you can tell that went on long enough, especially because there was so little time between each sequel that they were making. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, uh, I was, I was going to say, um, 
you you have like some really cool ideas in here. Like you said, you know, showing the 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 holes when he lands on the spikes. Um, and shit, what was his name? Carlos. With the hearing. Yeah, Carlos's Carlos's nightmare where the you know he gets his ear cut off and he he can't hear, and they're playing on that, you know, with like Freddy tiptoeing around behind him and shit. Uh, you know, that was a, a cool dream sequence and death. And then you have Breck and Myers immediately afterwards, which is like so fucking corny. And, you know, Freddy, as he evolved, I think he gained more of a sense of humor. I mean, there was a little bit at the very beginning, but it definitely, you know, expanded until you have things like, you know, welcome to primetime, bitch. But this is the one where, like, the humor went the, fucking over the The map says we're fucked. And Dude, like that I was like see. so yeah. ridiculous. Where it's like where the, where it's supposed to be like you know like oh shit I'm in a dream and he's just like the map just doesn't end. It's no. It. Although like I could really see see this being like Eric's favorite because you know you have like yes you forgot the power glove yeah and now we're playing with power. <laughs> it's definitely, definitely got sorry, me Eric's favorite. <laughs> There, I mean, the fact that I saw it at Eric's house was, you know... Well, it's more Tim Burton than Cronenberg that, maybe. in this one. Um, for better yeah. or worse. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, can can I ask... Like, how, how often do they have the cops come and dispose of that freaking arsenal? <laughs> like, they had... Like, you have troubled youths, and you have this arsenal that is better than anything in assault on precinct yeah. 13. I mean, I guess that those were the, crazy. you know, the, it, they come a long way from the cherry bombs and Freddy's revenge, you know? Um, <laughs> uh, I, I want to say that Breck and Meyer was playing the Ninja guide Gaiden on the tiger electronics. And I used to have that game and it was terrible then. And just watching it, uh, it makes me cringe every time because I used to actually like playing that game, even though it was fucking. Well, hey, I don't know if you ever played a Tiger Electronics game. They were all bad. You you they, know what made me cringe? <laughs> three quarters of the movie, I'm guessing. Uh, Roseanne and Tom's fucking cameo. <laughs> Man, have times changed? <laughs> yeah. To, to go along with your point, though, Tiger Electronics fucking sucked. Kent, they did like. You remember when you wanted to get one just to have one, and then you got it, and you were like, this is the fucking hardest shit I've ever fucking played, and it's unfair. And the battery dies after, like, fucking 30 minutes, and I hate it. Why can't I get a fucking Game Boy? This is what I gotta get. Yeah, because I had a Mega Man 2, and I had Ninja Gaiden, and eventually I was like, Mom, can I just get the Game Boy? And, yeah, that was a game changer. It really was. Uh I, I'll say uh, this. No. Uh, did either of you see this in the theater? No. No, the first time I saw it was at Eric's house. And okay. I, I know I didn't watch the whole thing. Because... So, oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I mean, that was... Okay. Yeah. I, I got to see it in the theater. Sure. Um, Kevin, I don't know if you remember a guy named Alan Thabobbin uh, from Mayfield, but me and, me and Alan, we saw this in the theater, and you get your fucking 3D glasses, and you get to put them on when uh, Maggie or Catherine or Lisa Zane, whatever the fuck you want to call her, when she puts them on, that's when you put them on. And I was so excited. I'd never seen a 3D movie before in my life. And quite frankly, they didn't really do much of anything with the 3D. They did a little bit when she's like 
I don't even understand how she shrunk herself to walk through the poster that was hanging on the wall, or maybe she enlarged the poster so she could walk through. I, whatever the case may be, she walked through that poster, and like the little demon snake things kind of wiggled a little bit. But I will say the coolest thing is right towards the end, you have the what the fuck dream demons or whatever the fuck they were. And in 3D, they are flying around the fucking theater, and all of a sudden, one got right in your face and just starts laughing maniacally, and it was actually really an awesome little experience. But otherwise, the 3D was complete and utter trash. Yeah, it made it super weird when you watch it at home, too, because I didn't realize that like when she puts the 3D glasses on, you're supposed to put the 3D glasses on. And like, cause she's just like looking at her hands, but and like, I've, I've had 3d, you know, comic books before. So when you have those, the red and blue things, it's not like, Whoa, <laughs> my hands are in 3d because they're, they're, they're already in 3d. So I used to have the glasses. I don't think I have them anymore, but there might be a pair in the DVD set that I have. I, I didn't think to look. I still might have a pair of 3D glasses, though, now that I'm thinking about it. I hope I do. The but, ones you got from that movie? Know, this, yeah, like, because I mean, even, like, on the side, I think it was, like, on the right, uh, I don't know, len- the handle of the glasses, whatever, like, it says, put these on when Maggie puts puts hers on. Uh, so it was kind of cool that they give you instructions. They were, like, just, like, the paper ones that you could use for you know, comics or sticker books or any other dumb shit that you can think of from back then. Uh, I have to admit, like, in the theater, like most movies, the theater experience is usually better than the at-home experience. But I was fucking 10 years old. I didn't know better at the time. So that's my only excuse for liking this movie at that time. Please forgive me. Okay, I will forgive you. In order to have a continue have a working relationship with you, um, yeah. So, so what the fuck was the deal with those dream demons? I mean, who looked at those and said, "Gosh, what can we make that's scarier than Freddy?" And then put like fucking Smurf skull on the end of a fucking sperm and said, "You know, this is what's going to be the, the fucking thing." Weren't the two little dogs with the fucking people faces scarier than the dream demons? Yes, oh, yeah. yes, fucking, fucking right. Somebody's muted. Yeah, yeah, no. Okay. Yeah, it, it was just a terrible idea. All, all, overall, like, you could have done gargoyles, you could have done some cool, crazy shit, like... This is the horror industry. You got a bunch of people working special effects that have all kinds of crazy ideas. Like you could have made something cool happen. Instead, you just <sighs> this movie felt like the lowest common denominator possible. It, uh, yeah. it really. Yeah. It, I mean, it was it, a big money grab of like, let's do one more and let's just cram all of the shit in there. Like, you know. From the Ninja Gate into uh, Power Glove, <laughs> the Power Glove, yeah, the all all of it. Roseanne and Tom Arnold, because they were they were pretty big at that time. Oh sure, 
Roseanne was one of the top sitcoms she was all over. Now, I have a question, Kevin, since you did watch the documentary. Did they ever state, I, I mean, this has been a working theory, that they saw the success of when Friday the 13th's like, we're going to call part four the final, you know, the final chapter, and they made so much money that they had, you know, like the fans, they were like, oh, we got to give the fans more. Were they secretly hoping by saying that this was the final one, that this would get people to want the franchise to com- continue on? Like, was that ever talked about in the documentary? No. It, well, I mean, I think the documentary would be like, I don't know. Like, they, they'd want you to believe that when they made it, that they all believed that, you know. But I believe the director knew, like, thought that this was going to be the last one, because she was, like, worked on all the other movies in different capacities. Oh, uh, okay. Well, also, did... All right, what is so different about the technique used to kill Freddy in this part as opposed to the very first movie? Um, To grab Freddy, bring him into the real world, kill him. Was that not the exact same idea? I believe it was the exact same idea. Also, when the fuck did Maggie become like Annie Oakley with her aim of like throwing knives and ninja sh- stars and shit like what what, the- what, I, I, what you don't know Kent was there was a previous rough draft where it, it explained that the reason that her father her her stepdad was dead was because she became Annie Oakley throwing the shit at him you know when oh, he was, I see. Yeah. I was hoping that she trained at Rick's uh, dojo before he died. That was my hope. That was that was the name of the place that trained her. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> I bet they ate Fu Manchu's cereal too. <laughs> you know it. I mean, you can't have those fucking racist fucking Asian cereals without you know learning how to throw throwing stars. Uh, well, I was gonna say oh the real answer is though if. Kristen can do a cart flip in the dream world, then <laughs> then she can certainly, the daughter, the illegitimate child of Freddy Krueger can throw ninja stars. Is that real yeah. life or was that in the dream world, though? I thought that, that was, was real life. life. Yeah. yeah. I can't even keep track. And, and, and But Freddy was, like, as hurt as he supposedly was, he really... Every time he's in the real world, he can take a shitload of punishment. For a guy that, I mean, how old should Freddy be in real life? Like in his forties? Well, I mean, if he was born in in the forties, and this is you know 48, and this is two thousand, he would be what fifty four. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> I don't know how age works when when you're a demon and you die for a bit and then get brought back to life. I don't well, know if you age a dog ears or some shit. Shit, dude, when you got fucking demon sperm floating around inside you, who the hell knows what's going on? <laughs> By the way, how great was the lady on the plane in the opening scene when he, he, John Doe's like, I'm afraid of heights, and she just goes, don't be such a pussy. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. Like... Actually, that opening scene gave me a little bit of hope that it wasn't going to be that bad, and it kind of always makes me think, I'll give this another shot, and I always regret giving it another shot. It's tough when you do, you're following it up with four and five, like, 
it, it's just, I think in the whole, um, like binge watching it or going through the entire series, but I would, I wouldn't mind checking, you know, checking it out, like some random out of, you know, time out of context of, of all of the series, you know, cause it is, it is a pretty batshit movie, you know? If you watch it on its own accord without having the other ones like recently seen, yeah, it's completely palatable. Um, I have two questions now. Now that I'm looking through my notes, one, when uh, who, which one was it? When John was in his sleepwalking dream, when he wakes up, he like backs into the guard, and the guard is hit by such force that he stumbles and breaks and goes through a window. If you're a security guard, which I, I, feel I, which like, I am, yeah. Okay, uh, so Kevin, I, I direct this to you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> would you not? <clears throat> no, I mean seriously. Like a guy wakes up from a sleepwalking dream, and that's enough force to p- push you that hard through a window. I, I found that to be astounding. Oh, it was out of place. In, in a, <clears throat> um. Gosh, I'm trying to see what the other one was. Uh, I don't know. I'll figure it out. Oh, the other thing when you know they had the article about um, Loretta Kruger being missing. So, at uh, some point, Maggie or John Doe finds the newspaper where that clipping came from. If you look at what's written on that newspaper, the whole rest of that page is about wood, and in the middle of it, for some reason, it just says Kruger found, and then, like, southwest of it is where the, the clip would have been. Like, nothing makes sense. Like, you would never see that in a newspaper like that. Like, you wouldn't have a thing about, well, this ring by your cheapest lumber. Oh, and by the way, Loretta Kruger, body, something, like... I don't understand that at all. In a movie that's completely batshit crazy, that stands out to me as one of the weirdest things. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know. I didn't actually look at the other things. I was trying to see if there was like a date at that, like on the newspaper, to like kind of like coincide, like when when you know Freddie King killed his wife. Consider this, Kevin. Per the teacher, he said in 1966, the authorities took Freddy's took away Freddy's kid. And this is 2000, uh, 2002, if my math is correct. Yes. It's either late 90s or early 2000s. Why does John Doe, after hearing this, still think uh, – like, just do the math. 19, 1966 – and just say 2,000 just for easy math. 34. Why – does that not, like, ring a bell to him? Like, oh, that can't be me? It, it just uh, – ah, really just blew my mind. Yeah, and she's obviously – is actually older, too. Yeah, she obviously fits the age description no matter how you know inaccurate the years may be. I mean – she fits the description of, you know, early mid thirties, for example. Well, she wouldn't have been earlier mid thirties though. She would have been closer to forty. Right. Because she yeah, had to right. have been at least like four by the time they took her. 
You're right. Yeah, you're so right. so 1966 to 2002 would have put her exactly at 40. Uh, I don't think Lisa Zane was 40 in this movie. I think she was probably in her late 20s. So you're, you're was, probably right. How was she fucking Freddie Skinny? <laughs> okay, so maybe it was Yafit. Yafit was his I, I, I love Yafet Koda, and I always forget that he's in this damn movie. But he he did save some of this movie for me. Yeah. He, yeah. I'll, like 5%. Yeah, yeah. I'll ask another question. Um, so after the the trio of kids, you know, they keep going in the circle for a bit, and then they're like, Trace is like, fuck this. I'm going to find a house to break into and spend the night. All right. I'm guessing you guys weren't really paying too much attention to what that house looked like, but they go into the house and then the house, like all the sides come off and we see that's the Kruger house. But if you look at the house before, you know, gets tore down, it looks a lot like the same house in Freddy versus Jason, where Blake and his father both get like killed by Jason early on. I wondered if they used the same house, like the front porch is almost identical. I mean, if they had the set still on uh, on the lot when they were doing Freddy vs. Jason, that oh, yeah. makes sense. But that would be, I mean, at 12 years, that might have been a while for them. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just found it kind of weird. I was like, wait, that looks just like the house. But, I mean, it probably wasn't. It's just one of those weird... Also, why does... Uh... What the hell? I don't even know what you would describe it. Why did the screen shatter when they left Springwood. Was that reality shattering? They like needed the, a cool special effect for the 3D style. I don't fucking know. I, I, I just, I'm like, what are you trying to tell us is happening by, by doing this? Freddy's dead. <laughs> main, the, the, that's main title. I, well, Everything else is just it, filler. If nothing else... Would you not say the ending sequence, like the credit sequence, was really good because we got to see all the cool shit? Like, oh, I'll give it that. Yeah, from, from oh, it was the best the part of the movie. Yeah, yeah, the best part. I mean, I remember growing right. like as a kid because I didn't get to see all of them at that time, so I didn't get to see all the deaths and stuff. So it was it was cool to see all of that like in one movie, and then I would, then from there I would go like seek out. I remember I went and saw the Dream Warriors again, and I was like. Because I confused, because I was like, "That I don't remember that kid dying in the Dream Warriors," and then it was part four, <laughs> which I saw much less than than a lot of them. Can we also acknowledge that apparently in the real world, Freddy Krueger can still crawl and walk around on the ceiling? I mean, we don't. we yeah. we can acknowledge it. I I don't yeah <laughs> yeah like that happened and. Let's also acknowledge that Doc took a wooden baseball bat to a metal door that is locked and beat the shit out of it so much until he could rip it off its hinges. That happened. That I mean, like, yes, it, it that yeah. did happen. Like, I, if if you had to make a list of the ten most ridiculous things to happen in this movie, that doesn't even make the top ten of that list. That's how crazy this movie is. I feel it'd be a great movie to watch, like, while, I don't know, drunk off your ass, maybe, or something, but... Probably fucking stoned would make it so much better. 
Was, especially okay. like the end of Guy yeah, Devita. Yeah, with Meyer inside of the fucking I don't, movie. I don't, I don't right, so. yeah. I I, it's not. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know if there's anything that could actually improve it, Kent. <laughs> Bro, I mean, the TV did fill up with you know three human bodies worth of blood, so there is that. Yeah, it really like towed the line of like it uh, would just go from like something batshit crazy to something like super dark. Could you imagine had the movie stayed that super dark and serious route? How much, how cool, like this movie could have been like a legit masterpiece, quite frankly, if they wanted to take the canon and lore and go, you know, all the kids are gone and like really delve into the town and like how fucked up all the adults are and go with the serious tones. I think they could have made a really good movie here, but probably. I don't know if it would have been commercially, like, appealing. I don't know. You know I feel I mean? like, oh, yeah, I guess because, like, it was at, like, the decline of quality, four and five, they they said. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I think always that Freddy Krueger would draw an audience. But then again, the next one is seven, and that was not the case. So, um, But at 91, it was still so. This is what six movies in seven years, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah. overall, it's pretty impressive. And there were, there were. Um, it was what two years between two and three. Yeah, I think so. I, yeah, I think so. And it, it shows. I mean, that extra year definitely helps with the. Yeah, it goes 84, 85, 87, 88, 89, and 91. So, Although the two they had years an extra didn't help year. in this one. Yeah, didn't no, no. But the extra three years between this and the next movie, that helped. So, All right, do we have anything else to add to this? I have uh, just the one thing. That I think it's like the craziest thing about the, the whole film is that uh, in 2023... Out of Roseanne and Tom Arnold, Tom Arnold is the likable one. And that's all I got. That That is a deep note to go out on Freddy's Dead with. <laughs> so we'll be back in a minute to hit up the first one outside of the, uh, the serialized franchise with uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare in just a second, guys. <laughs> 